Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode number 109 of Mr. Benfica. Hello to anybody watching live right now on YouTube. And hello, of course, to everybody listening on the podcast. Benfica pick up three much-needed points today. This intern ended up being a great round for Benfica. Uh, I know a lot of y'all over the weekend were, were upset that Sporting was, was winning. You guys, I don't know. Did you want Porto to win the title? And more importantly, do you want Braga to catch us? Uh, it couldn't have gone any better for Benfica this weekend, in my opinion. Porto drop points. Uh, Sporting Braga lose. And Benfica now comfortably in third place. We should be able to, at the very least, uh, finish this thing in third place. And we should now be able to go and get second place. I believe we can do it now. Of course, every time you believe in this team, they remind us why we shouldn't believe in this team. All right. Um, Lot to talk about tonight, okay? This is going to be a post-match report format, so it's going to be just like you're listening to the radio after the match. It's going to be a a match in that uh, format, and I got a lot of stuff coming in. I got tweets coming in. Uh, I got, you know, a lot to talk about, so I get a little bit distracted here. Not usually doing this live. I am a podcaster. I'm not really a YouTuber, so I don't normally do this live. But we're going to give it a shot because it is already 8.19 p.m. here on the East Coast of the United States. And, well, let's be honest. If I tried to record a video, upload it to YouTube tonight, I'd be here all night because, uh, as most of you know, I wake up about 2 o'clock in the morning to go to work. So we're going to skip all that. We're going to go live, and we're just going to do it. Any mistakes that happen are real. Anything that happens uh, outside of the plan, we're going to have to live with it. All right. So 
let's start with the breaking news, okay? And, of course, our club played like absolute crap this, today. Absolute crap, all right? Completely played off the pitch in so many ways by Santa Clara. Uh, the Azorian side came in, and they, they looked phenomenal. They they uh, just couldn't put it in the net. And Elton Late, as much as I've talked about him in the past, came up big today. Elton Late was good. My boy Otamendi, he let us down. Uh, he had a key mistake in in Santa Clara's goal. But we're going to start with the hot news right now. And it's coming from northern Portugal. Moreira dos Conegos and Futebol Clube do Porto thought they had won. They thought they had won in the 92nd minute. Tony Martinez thought... He had kept the title hopes alive. Hugo Miguel thought that Tony Martinez had kept the title hopes alive. But for once, for once, hallelujah, the video referee, the VAR, the VAR came in 10 centimeters. I can't even do that with my fingers. I can't even make that distance with my fingers. 10 centimeters, the difference tonight between... Three points or 1.4 Football Club de Porto. And uh, the boys over at Benfica FM caught it all live as they were recording. They were into the conversation and, and, you know, they tweeted out the video. And all of a sudden it was like they just started. They just they went nuts when the goal was overturned. And this led to me. Uh, see, I was supposed to be at work. <laughs> I was working, but uh, I had the game on here on my on the other side on the other computer. And I got real into it. Of course, I was trying to catch up on on Leo versus uh, versus Leon from the weekend as well. Brilliant match. But I had Portugal in the final moments. Uh, once Taremi, you know, once I saw that Porto had another penalty kick, I was I, I was like, I'm gonna torture myself today because I'm gonna watch them steal another one. Um, and I thought they had, but uh, but good old VAR came into play. Ten centimeters, the difference. Here on the Goal TV, the the network that broadcasts the game in English here in the United States, Goal TV, and their their commentator Nino Torres. All right, he went, he lost it, he went ballistic. He couldn't believe that they were calling the goal back. He said, "What?" As soon as he goes, "There's nothing to check. There's nothing to check." He keeps saying, and then all of a sudden, you could you could see as Hugo Miguel, those of you watching, had the, over his ear. And you could already see the Morenas defenders celebrating. They already knew that it was it was going to be an offside. Ten centimeters, everybody. Ten centimeters. I can't get over it. And, yeah, Nino Torres had a mental breakdown. No, no, he says. And and finally, so I, I went to Twitter. I took to this, this phone here, and I went to Twitter. And why don't I read you my tweet, okay, at the end of that match? Because... Two minutes later, I tell you, two minutes later, Porto calling for a penalty kick, which was, in my opinion, you can say all you want. He did not fall in. He, the foul did not occur in the box, no matter how much he drags his foot. Um, but here, here is my tweet. And uh, <laughs> you can go to my Twitter, of course, at Benfica Mister and read it yourself. But I couldn't help myself here. And I said, someone tell the at Gold TV announcer at, and it's his Twitter handle, okay, but it's Nino Torres is his name, uh, to stop having an orgasm every time Porto scores. For once, hashtag VAR did its job offside all day. Then he pleads for a penalty that's clearly outside the area. Referees in the league doing everything they can to keep Porto in this title race. 
I said to myself, oh no, I've started something. Here I'm I'm trying to be tough, right? I'm trying to be trying to be a big man here. And um just like every time in my life I try to start a fight to look tough. Well, I end up being friends with the guy. So Nino Torres responds. One, it was clearly offside. But I think new rule is ruining the game, not this particular game, he says. So he thinks the fact that he's offside by his arm is is bad. But he's not talking just about this game. So I've said that myself. I can't I can't fault the man. I've said the same thing myself on this podcast, on these videos, that we need to get consistent, consistent rules as to what constitutes an offside in 2021 in the age of our we're still not getting it that in other countries was not going to be called offside in portugal that's offside he goes on to say number two diaz drags his left foot to be on the line it should have been a penalty and then the best line of all and um i tip my hat to mr nino torres here uh shout out uh I won't stop having orgasms, he says. I will not stop having orgasms, especially in dramatic games. Just wait for the classical, he tells me. And uh, I had a good laugh at that. And how can I get mad at a guy at that point? Uh, he has a good sense of humor. And then, of course, our boy Adrian there from Robona TV chimes in. Shout out, Adrian, at at um, at Robona. Let me let me get you his, his at Robona underscore TV. I won't. He he quotes he quotes Nino and says, "Hell yeah, Nino, do do you, my man?" Mario from B After Ninety sends a great gif. We all have a good laugh, and admit it. And then I say, admittedly, I tip my hat uh, on this one. Well done, Nino Torres. I even I even sent him. The the banter goes on, but that gets the gist of it. Um, he also goes on to say that, um. No, I go on to say, I respond to him talking about the Classico, and I said, I know you'll be dressed in blue for the Classico, and here is the reason, and I post a, t a screenshot right here. You can't see it, but it is the table of penalties awarded this season in Liga Nage with Football Club de Porto, of course, up at the top with 14. The next closest was our opponents this, this evening or this afternoon, Santa Clara. He responds, don't be so sure. Most likely, I'll be wearing a black outfit. <laughs> and he says about the penalties, of course, it's a big reason, but it's not the only one. Porto are still in the race. And I ended up, mess um, he has his private messages shut off. So I ended up just tweeting at him one more time saying, uh, I said to him, I'm going to read it to you right now. I know this may not be the most exciting thing for people, but I, I, uh, I tweeted at him afterwards and I said, thanks for the banter and the good sense of humor. Thank you for bringing me the Liganage in English week after week. Maybe we'll chat again on Friday. Cheers. And uh, he he thanks me in return. Nino Torres, you're a good guy in my book, even if you you root. I have to admit, the guy the guy has a style, okay, a very Latin style, a very good style. Who doesn't like that? I grew up here in the United States watching football on Spanish television on Univision, watching the great Andreas Cantor uh, narrate the matches. Okay, I expect emotion. I expect goals. It's just because it was Porto that it bothered me. If it was any other match, any other team, I'd have been fine with it. Okay, it was just because it was Porto. And he gets that. He's a football man. He knows what's up. And uh, at the end of the day, I think I made myself a new friend. I hope I made myself a new friend. All is good 
in love and football and all is good in podcasting. All right, Liganage, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. So, with that said, man of the match, man of the match in the Porto match, that is. I've talked about Porto already too long in this this episode, but the Ugo Miguel does it again. And um well, let's get to let's get to our own club before we take a break. A, a couple updates. Basketball, men's basketball, okay? Benfica splits games one and two in the opening round of the playoffs in the Liga Placard against the defending champion, Oliveirense. Yes, Oliveirense are still the defending champion because there was no champion last season. All right, so game three this Thursday afternoon here in the United States, maybe even morning. I'm not sure. I haven't checked the time yet. But go to your BTV listings. You'll see it there, okay? I believe they have it. If it's not there, um, well, I'll just tweet it out for everybody, and you'll know when they're playing if you're interested. All right, game three up in Oliveira de Zamege. Um, Must win for Benfica, in my opinion. Carlos Gisboa's job is hanging on the line. I don't know. I think only running the table somehow and upsetting his way to the title will save his job. But then again, this is Benfica, and who knows what they're going to do. You can never know about those things. And a big shout-out also, Benfica women's. Uh, water polo champions again they won the title this past weekend um you know to the benfica campeon congratulations all right and uh happy to see another championship for our club regardless of the sport and this is what our club is about it's about supporting in all sports all right i'm going to take a quick break here so if you're watching on youtube you're going to get a few seconds of silence but if you're watching, if you're listening, excuse me, on the podcast, you're going to get, of course, uh, Reconquista. All right, we'll be right back on the other side of this just shortly. UEFA Euro 2020 this summer here on the Park in the Bus podcast. Sabes que estamos contigo 
Nós somos o eterno brilho And welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 109. Now let's start the post-game report, will we? Uh, we got Benfica winning 2-1 to today. An own goal um, early in the match, okay? And then Chiquinho making the difference late in the match. I'm going to go through some of your tweets right now, see what the what, what Benfica Nation is feeling right now before we get into the lineups and into the into the key moments of the match, if you will. And uh, I'm going to start. There was a, a, twit, a tweet here from a good friend of the show, the original, the OG of, of pod, one of the OGs of podcasting. Okay, it's, it's our friend down at Benfica Podcast, Cristiano Oliveira, at CO10. It's CO10 at CO10. Um, too, many, too many Benfica players, sorry, too many players on Benfica's roster, not worth wearing that shirt. Professional players, yes. Um, good enough to play at Benfica? Bleep, no. Uh, okay, and that was retweeted by our friend Timo at underscore Timo one and he says in his opinion not a single player should be safe I can make a list of all four or five guys I think I think are safe um but maybe they're not I don't know I think everybody's had their good days and their bad days this year so it's kind of hard to say and perhaps perhaps nobody sh well no one should ever feel safe that is if you're a big club nobody should ever feel safe um the fact that someone does feel safe. This is how we get the consistency we get this season. I'm going to slide down and see what else is out here. I'm going to skip over anything that is Porto related. We've already gone over it. That is what is flooding the the Twitter space right now. And I'm not going to get into the, the polemic, into the controversy, or into the manager being sent off once again. He's now got more red cards than the team that has the most red cards in the league this year. I'm not going to get into that. Okay. Uh, our friend from BA90 from Benfica After 90 is probably recording live right now. Uh, uh, Mario at M.SLB. Okay, now I'm a believer. We can take second. He's got the crying, la the laugh crying emoji saying such a roller coaster being a Benficista this season. And I agree. It is such a roller coaster. It really feels like a wasted season at this point. I mean, we're fighting to hang on to third place and hopefully get to second. I mean, this is not where we're supposed to be as a club. We are much, much bigger than this. We should be much higher, okay? Um, we we pissed away so many points this season, or we would be we would be right there with Sporting. I mean, they just want to give the title away if you've watched them recently. Sporting, the, the pressure is on, and they are nervous. I mean, they're going to get a big alleviate now, a big relief now that Porto have dropped two points. And they have won a big match on the road at Braga. But honestly, that's what's best for us right now because we're not getting there. Okay, yes, Georges Zouge can say all he wants that mathematically we're not eliminated. but And he then reiterates that it is what it is. Uh, a favorite saying of Benfica managers, it is what it is. But I don't, I don't see how with, what do we got, six matches? I think we got five matches left to play. All right, 15 points left to earn. I can't see us making up this difference with Sporting. It would be the biggest miracle of all. I just hope 
My fear, my biggest fear was that we were going to, and this is this sounds horrible, but I was literally fearing that we're gonna beat Sporting and hand the title to Porto because that would be the worst, the worst victory in the history of the club, in my opinion. It would feel absolutely horrible, at least in my lifetime. Um, so I think today's today's results helped me uh, ease those worries, and I hope that next Thursday we we take it to Porto, we pull out the win, and we put them in the we put the nail in their coffin, and we bury Football Club de Porto for this season. And we can pull ourselves closer, and maybe by then we can even jump past them. Got to take care of business against Tondela later this week. Okay, Friday we got Tondela. We're without key players. I'll talk about that in a minute when I recap the match. All right. Moving down the conversation, uh, our friend Kevin up in Montreal, he says, and he's at Nivik SLB. We looked fire in September. October came an international break. Insert expletive. <laughs> um, all of our momentum. He puts in parentheses, Darwin got COVID and lost his mojo. Brilliant point. Darwin Darwin lost his mojo getting COVID. Um, a number of players got COVID this year and we're never the same again. Let's be honest, okay? Um, everyone I've, uh, I, I've criticized or I, I've praised in the past, nobody came back quite the same. Weigel took a long time to recover. Tarapt was never the same, okay? Whatever I want to say about Tarapt week to week, listen, um, he he dropped off because of COVID. I'm not blaming him, okay? Um, and now George Zuz making some comments about Tarapt's state of fitness right now. I didn't really think was the best choice um, for him to, to speak about uh, to speak about in the post game, given current situation. Uh, Adele Tarapt's up an injury in training and he explains why and, and maybe I'll get to that. It's I'm really not comfortable talking about uh George Zuz's explanation about Adel Tarap's injury. Um it's just I don't think I don't think it's part of the equation to be honest. Um he makes it sound like it's something that that the players never dealt with before. He he deals with this this season every year. Um and by see I'm calendar season this this time in the year every season and ah maybe maybe it'll come up later but he 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 made some explanations for Adele Tarapt and I don't know how Tarapt feels about it so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment but um PortugueseSoccer.com is reporting and this was reported all over the broadcast today on BTV good news Portugal reported no corona related deaths in the last 24 hours for the first time in nine months that is good news. Maybe we can get some fans. And, of course, the Prime Minister's already said no fans this season. I think that's a shame. And Jorge Zuzina's post-game press conference, okay, was asked this. And I have to give the man credit. Again, I criticize him enough. When he does something right, I am going to say it. And he spoke rightfully so. And, first of all, he apparently shares my views on politicians because they're not really good for anything, in my opinion. And when it comes time when you need them to defend you, like football has needed the politicians to defend them, they have. They've abandoned. They have abandoned football. And they have abandoned football fans in Portugal this season. Okay, because as George has pointed out, nobody, nobody handled a return from COVID. No industry handled it better than football did anywhere in the world. Okay, football found a way to get it done. They found a way to get everyone back to back to to action. You can't say the same about basically anybody's public school system, for example. Okay, you can't say it about that. All right, they're just, they didn't do it well. 
and football did it well, and football has the ability to separate people. You can assign tickets with an assigned seat, and you can do like we saw here in the United States for WrestleMania and for the Super Bowl. You could put fake people, okay, cardboard people in between the seats people are assigned to ensure they sit where they are assigned. No, we're not going to get fifty or 60000 in a stadium anytime soon. Um, hopefully by, by next season, by, or, you know, by the final of the Euro would be great, but I don't know, um, at the very latest by the end of the calendar year, but you can certainly put a third of a stadium, maybe the Super Bowl here in the United States had, I think 25,000 WrestleMania in the same exact stadium, a stadium that holds, if I'm not mistaken, about 80,000, they put 25,000 in there, um, each night. I think Stadio de Luz could do fifteen or twenty thousand, a third of the stadium, keeping people separated and social distance. I think with masks on, I don't see why they can't be in the stadium given uh, those those restrictions. And then you just have a coordinated exit plan. That's all you need is to have a coordinated exit plan. Everyone stays at their seats until it's their turn to leave by section. It isn't that hard. I've run operations for a club before. Okay, no, not in Stadio de Luz, not where you're going to have all that space, but. It's not hard to come up with a plan of entry and exit from a stadium. Okay, you sit in this section, you're going through this door at this time. You have to communicate it, but, you know, what are these, you know, public relations and communication departments for? Just to just to go and start Twitter wars with each other and to, to accuse each other of corruption and whatnot? No. Okay, so Benfica FM's tweeting about Porto there and... Um, you know, uh, this was still during the game, and it says, when your opponent has more shots on their goal than you do. That was Benfica through a large stretch of this. We were ahead 1-0 with zero, zero shots on goal. Um, make sure you give him a follow. Uh, on Twitter, he is at a Benfiquista. That's um Benfiquista Americano. Uh, good account to follow. He has really good content on there. And we keep moving through the Twitter sphere. And I mean, there's a tweet here I wanted to read, and now it's it's so far in the past that it's not on my on my um, feed anymore. But you know, keep keep tweets coming. Obviously, uh, Benfica fans, keep tweeting. Let's keep Benfica trending. Um, it was so. This was a match. I'm gonna say where I think I've already said at the top of the episode that Benfica it couldn't have gone any better in terms of results for Benfica today. The play on the field was piss poor on the pitch. It was piss poor from Azagiish today. Okay, and I'm gonna open up my little app here and go through the lineup in a moment. And I mean. Santa Clara looks like Befica, and Befica looked like Santa Clara. Sergio, Sergio tweeted this up in, in Canada. Okay, he used to be Sergio Jafosht, I believe. Now he uses his real name. But um, he said, "Did Befica and Santa Clara switch uniforms at halftime?" And I know I responded with, uh, "I think they switched before the match." And uh, someone else tweeted that uh, Santa Clara came out in the 1940s Chicago Bears uniforms for fans of the NFL, and those were the colors of the Chicago. It it looked uh, it looked absolutely you know it looked like Benfica were Santa Clara and Santa Clara were Benfica for large 
stretches of the match, and there's no doubting that. Okay, we bring up the, the Fought Mob here, and I'm going to pull up the lineups now. As we have round 29, Stade Luge, of course. It's Benfica versus Santa Clara. Um, what our rivals will say, Benfica against our Azorian team, because the emblems are identical. Almost, I've explained the history behind that in the past. I don't need to do that today. But I've got the the match feed up now, and I'm going to go right into the lineup. So we're going to start with the visitors from Ponta Delgada, the visitors from the beautiful island of São Miguel in the uh, Surge, as they say. All right, the goalkeeper is Marco Rocha. They're playing a 4-3-3 for their manager, Daniel Ramos, one of the great young Portuguese managers, in my opinion. He's done some great work. Uh, he was at Bovista last year, and he is doing a phenomenal job with Santa Clara this year. They are knocking on the door of Europe. So um, one thing I have to stress, as bad as Benfica played, this was not a bad team we faced tonight. Okay, Santa Clara tonight showed that they deserve a spot in the UEFA Conference League next season. You can bet that this Benfica is going to be pulling for the Azorians the rest of the way. And it's not because my mother's from the Azores either. Okay. It's because their football is fantastic and they deserve more than what they got tonight, in my opinion. Yeah, they weren't efficient. Um, it's a lot of what we sometimes say about Benfica, just a lack of efficiency today. That was the case for Santa Clara, but they're playing a 4 3 3. Like I said, they're back four. Uh, their right back is the former Orlando City. Right back, Rafael Ramuj, also obviously a former Benfica youth product. João Afonso and Venezuela international Miquel Villanueva are the central back pairing. Learned from Elder Kundutre on the broadcast that Miquel Villanueva was once a baseball player and did everything he could to, to be a professional baseball player before switching to football. Interesting. Now he's a Venezuela international. And he's played, as as Elder said, against some of the best players the world has ever seen, namely Messi and Ronaldo, in La Liga when he was playing in La Liga. The, the left back is Mansour, three-man in midfield, anchored by Anderson Carvalho to his right, Hid, Hidmasa Morita, the Japan international, and Lincoln is uh, the, the left-sided center midfield with three in attack. Uh, Carlos Jr. is on the right. Crisan uh, is the striker, and Alano is the left back. Now Benfica coming out in a three. It shows here as a three-five-two. I think it almost always plays out as a three-four-three. Three. Um, they really haven't figured this out yet, okay? And you've heard me for weeks say that we got to play three at the back. Three at the back is not five at the back, okay? Um, people, and because they're not quite doing it right it, it it turns into five at the back at times against teams who we should never have five at the back against and i understand the criticism there are times that uh that it's not functioning and today i have to say santa clara scouted Benfica perfectly they knew the spots where we were vulnerable okay obviously when you play a three-man back line with two wing backs going up and down the uh, up and down the flanks, or Azalej, as they say in Portuguese. Um, well, actually, Ala is not is not the flank. Ustrem is the flank, but um, it leaves gaping holes down the flanks because our 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 outside backs or our wing backs is really what they are push forward, which is what they're supposed to do in this system. Problem is, you have to protect the ball better when you play this system. What looks like I think a big problem with Benfica this season is no matter what system they play, 
the players play the same game. They don't recognize where they may have a new weakness or where they may be a little more vulnerable than usual. And they, they, they give balls away far too much. And you know what? There's no system of football you can play that leaves you completely covered. If it were, everybody would play it, okay? Every system leaves some vulnerability. And we saw what it was today on those counterattacks. Let me tell you, uh, we were left skinned, okay? We know we don't have pace at the back, okay? These three do not have any pace, um, or not enough pace at least. Santa Clara knew that. They exploited that. Okay, we the goal we nearly gave up a goal early on counterattack. Okay. We were we were absolutely burned down the flanks whenever we lost the ball. The players need to have the have the awareness and the notion that they need to protect the ball better. And it doesn't matter, like I said, it doesn't matter what system you play. If you lose the ball and you give it away carelessly and you leave yourself exposed. Good teams and Santa Clara. I'm gonna put in that category of a good team. They're not a great team. They're not a top four team, but they are a good team. And good teams are going to exploit mistakes. Okay, they're going to exploit vulnerabilities. Santa Clara did that all day today. Um, and really played some brilliant football. But like I said, it looked more like a four, a three, four, three to me. Of course, watching on television, it's a little more difficult. If I would love to be in the Topo Norte for one of these stadiums or in the, you know, in the, in the top, looking down and watching this from the tactical cam. I really wish BTV had a tactical cam option. Not that I'd watch the match live that way, but after the fact, I would love to go back and see just exactly what spaces players are occupying for the majority of the time. Um, so we got the usual three in the back. It's Nico Otamendi, Jan Vertonghen, and Lucas Verissimo. Uh, Diogo Gonçalves and Grimaldo are the the wingbacks in in the middle there. Uh, it looked you had Weigel and and Pizzi playing as double pivots with Everton playing in front of them. Although a lot of times it was Rafa moving into that space. Rafa did a lot of defending today. I've seen on Twitter that the you know from different supporters, different fans, noticing that he's you know a poor performance from him. What I noticed, okay, when I look at this. I see him dropping into that sort of a midfield number eight role a lot with with, with Julian Weigel and, and PZ almost playing like double sixes. Okay, of course, the three-man back line needs a double pivot. Um, the problem is when they drop too deep, you're not getting up front to, to help. And now you have – you fall into the the, the – probability of having two lines of five and that's never what you want and that leaves wide open spaces all over the park and of course our opponents today wisely exploited open spaces we left them um everton came in crucial on the on the goal okay the own goal he he earned the own goal but again a lot of criticism going towards everton Cibolina, the former Grêmio man and um, he's really struggling to find his foot in this team. Um, I think it's because of the positioning. Um, he's used to playing one way, okay? And the Portuguese managers now and coaches that have gone to Brazil have noticed into South America that they, the teams like to play one way, and it's very hard to change that. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed here, and I'm hoping 
that this is a growth year and that this is an adapting year and a learning year and there's going to be a, an upswing in the learning curve next season for Everton Sobolina, um as well as for Darwin Nunez um, next season, hopefully, because they were big investments from this club and they need to pay dividends, obviously. So that is the midfield up front uh, listed as forwards was Rafa and the Swiss Army Knife, as our friend, my new friend, Nico Torres calls him, uh, Aris Seferovic, which it's like flipping a coin, which Seferovic you're going to get in the match. You're going to get, you're going to get the hat trick Seferovic, or you're going to get the Seferovic we got today. The Seferovic you got today can't hit the ocean from the beach if you lay it out for him. I know Diogo Salves gave him the ball of the match, the delivery of the match, and he put that thing. I, that thing is probably still in orbit right now. All right, so let's look at some stats. The key moments. Okay, let's go to the key moments. I'm going to pull up the ticker here. I'm not going to go through the whole match, obviously. I'm going to keep it to key moments. But as I scroll through it in the first half, there was a play here in the early. Grimaldo gets beat so easily on the dribble. And I think it was by Carlos Vinicius. It might have been by Crizan. Um, the three-man back line was pinched in, which is good. You want the pinched in. You want the protecting the middle. Ball gets knocked wide. Grimaldo sprints out there like he's Usain Bolt trying to run the 100-meter dash. Um, he must think he's at the uh, must think he's at the the European Track and Field Olympic Athletics uh, Championships or something. Uh, the way he ran out there, he never positioned his feet. He never got in defensive position. Never turned his hips. Never got his arm out. Never got within arm's length of the Santa Clara player. He just ran at him and got dribbled around. Nearly, it was a dangerous play because it ended up being served across the face of goal. Elton came out. He kind of. Uh, he kind of lost it a little bit on the bounce. It hit him, got behind him, but fortunately rolled wide. Um, otherwise, we would have been in big trouble there. Um, and again, Grimaldo, I, Grimaldo can deliver a good ball. He can he, he can be useful going forward. We have not seen a good Grimaldo this year. Okay. And I don't want to hear these rumors I'm hearing that Barcelona are interested in bringing him back because, I'm sorry, what's he going to go there and do? Come on, let's be real for a moment. You can't get beat on the dribble like that by Santa Clara players and then think you're going to go play in La Liga and and get on the pitch for Barcelona. Um, I know Barcelona have the ball all the time and he's not going to be asked to defend much, but this year I don't even think he's giving us enough going forward. I know he's got a good number of assists, but really 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 expect more from alejandro grimaldo and his defending is, is atrocious for a top level defender a top level player who's been playing defense since la masia since he was at barcelona b it it's something that's happening in football everywhere defense is being completely completely ignored being completely abandoned in the development of players. It's something you see with Benfica's youth teams coming up through the ranks. Our outside backs are not learning how to defend. Okay. It's been the Achilles heel for Nun Tavares. It's the Achilles heel for Tomas Tavares. Okay. To the point where we had to this year take a midfielder and Diogo Salves convert him to a right back. And finally, we have a right back. 
Fine, I think this, I mean, we'll get to it, but Diog Tavares today, um, Diog Gonzalez, excuse me, today, phenomenal game, in my opinion, best player from Benfica today. I think the goal point's going to agree with me. And he may be the the most, how do you say, he may be the trophy of the season, if you will, the best product of the season from start to finish, the best body of work, both for the coaching staff and for the player himself of any of the players on the pitch, is the growth of Diogo Tavares, okay? Julian Weigel was class. We knew that. He was in a slump. He worked his way out of it. He played his way out of it. By the way, congratulations to Julian Weigel. I should have said this earlier. And to his wife, Sarah, the birth of their daughter, Bruna. During, Of course, he missed the match in Portimão, uh, which the media tried to exploit as a rift in the team. Always, 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 you can count on Portuguese media to try to pull Benfica apart. You can try. They're always going to try to in, to implant division in our locker room. You know where the you know who who's who's feeding them this garbage too. It's communications departments up north. Jota March. Uh, you know he's got an in in all of these media outlets, and he seems to just just have a way with the the things he he says that he spouts. The garbage that comes from his mouth seems to get echoed in the press. And uh, the truth is, and George Jesus explained it, Ulian Weigel went to George Jesus' room in the middle of the night, 4 a.m., and to Rui Costa's room. That The three of them had a discussion. He said his wife's pregnancy had become an at-risk situation. She was in the emergency room, and they authorized him to leave Portimão to return to Lisbon to be with his wife for the birth of his daughter, Bruna. And Ulian Weigel, congratulations. Um, another Benfiquista in the world is always a good thing. And she is beautiful. And um, someone had said, you know, now there will be a huge uptick in the, of babies being named Bruna uh, in Portugal. Now that Ulian Weigel has given that name to his, his lovely daughter. Um, and that, of course, causes me to lose my train of thought for a moment. But, you know, Ulian Weigel, yes, Ulian Weigel's was not a growth so much as it was a rebirth. Ulian Weigel rediscovered himself. Of course, Ulian Weigel also was asked to play a role that he had never been asked to play in, in that manner, in that fashion. Okay, he, he didn't play as a holding midfielder at Borussia Dortmund. Okay, he had to he had to kind of learn a new position. And I think just when he was going to leave, fortunately, it turned around and you all know how much I've rooted for Ulian Weigel all season. If there's anybody whose horn I've been tooting all season and what players I've been defending uh, nonstop, it's Ulian Weigel and Nicolas Otamendi. Okay, um, I'm always defending Rafa as well. I know I every everybody that watches has the players they like and the ones that they like less. But I always believed in both that that both of those guys would become crucial, crucial pieces of this team. And I sure hope the rumors are not true that Benfica are going to offload him this uh, this summer, um, simply for the fact that he's the only player with a good market value right now uh, to to resolve some of the the financial problems that the club is having. I sure hope that that's not true. I think he's growing, and I want to see him in a Benfica jersey for for a for longer. Um, I want to see. The, I want to see him be paired with midfield players that can that are on his level uh, mentally, intellectually, that are thinking the game the way he's thinking. He's not been given that since he's arrived. 
And with all due respect to all the other midfielders, it's just he's on another level as far as his knowledge of the game and his thinking. And a lot of times, you know, he has to he has to come back. He has to come down a level and play at a lower level to 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 be in sync with this team. And that's never a good thing for a player. So hopefully Benfica can surround him with some better players going forward. But again, you know, at Mr. Mello there on uh, Twitter made a great point. He says, we spent $100 million in in the market and JJ's not going to play the youth. How are we going to fix this personnel problem? The answer is, I don't know. I think this is what we got. And he's going to have to coach him up. Good old-fashioned coaching is the only way we're going to get out of this because I don't – I just said I want to see new players come in. But who? Where are we going to go get this money right now? I don't want to sell a key guy to go uh, – to buy lottery tickets that you scratch and maybe maybe you get you get a gym, okay? We did that last summer, okay? I think Darwin's going to pan out in time. I think that Sibolina can pan out in time if he if, – if his – Mental game adjusts. There's there's a player inside a lot of these guys that didn't come out this season. Okay, there is a player in there, and there is there is talent that has gone un untapped or not been made the most of, as they as they say in Portuguese, no foi aproveitado. Aproveitado means to uh, to make the most of. I think that's the best word to describe the talent on Benfica. I know that it looks bad. And to the average onlooker, and to the average football fan today, we're now conditioned to just think you go get another player. Okay, this doesn't work. Let's go to, let's get rid of him, bring someone else in. But the constant revolving door in the locker room is not a good thing either. Okay, so honestly, we paid a ton of money for this manager. He's got one more year. He needs to do something. I, I, I can't see him getting sacked for virtually any reason outside of a major catastrophe, maybe a public relations catastrophe or something off the pitch. I can't see George Jesus being sacked just because of the amount of money it would cost to send him away. Okay. And he, he's the manager. He needs to coach the players up. He said that there was no opportunity to, to coach this year because there's no opportunity to practice. Um, if that's the case, you know, next year you got no excuses. Not that you have excuses this year, but next year you certainly have no excuses. All right. Now, moving forward, okay, we get to get to the 10th minute, and PZ has a left-footed shot from the outside of the box. It's close, but it misses to the right. He was set up by Rafa. Not a lot going on for Befica, though. Um, Carlos Jr. with the right-footed attempt from the right side of the box. The right side of the six-yard box, but it was saved in the bottom corner by Elton Lake. Maybe Elton Lake's best showing thus far um, this season for Benfica as the lighting in here is getting dim. I'm not sure if my light is getting is uh, going dead, but we keep moving. And Crisan has a shot in the 20th minute blocked inside the box by Otamendi. And then it happens in the 25th minute, and this is a nice ball from Beasy into space for for uh, Everton Sobolinha, who finds his way into the box, uh, beats the self-declared defender on the dribble, tries across, the cross goes off of Carlos Jr., and Carlos Jr. heads it into his own goal. Benfica on the board, something they needed uh, desperately. 
I'm going to move forward to what everyone remembers three minutes later. And I, I'm telling you right now, had this worked out differently, this is a completely different match. No question about it. It would have been completely different. Um, it's Diogo Salves with the ball of the match. Like I said, the, the service of the match. And Harris Seferovic's left foot plays it over the bar. And I swear that thing went out of the stadium. If you could go up 2-0 there, I think Santa Clara, call it a day. If you could probably win 3 or 4-0 with ease in this match, but they didn't do that. And in the 31st minute, it's Santa Clara uh, tight again. And it's Carlos Jr. again. It's a header inside the box. It's close, but he misses just to the left. If you could lucky, lucky to see halftime. Uh, but before that, Lucas Veriz with an effort off of a PZ cross. Let's go to the second half then. In the interest of time, as we've been going for a while, late here. So let's go in the interest of time. Move to the second half, and we get a substitution. Actually, before the substitution, we're going to get. We're not going to get the goal before the substitution. No, we get the substitution first. Uh, after an Anderson, after Anderson Carvalho's right footed shot outside the box is close, but misses left. George Zizouj goes to the bench. On comes Chiquinho, and he replaces Everton Cebolinha. And um, uh, I think Elder Cruz called it another um, Ishbison Trist, or Minch Felige, no Felige, the Everton meaning a not a sad, but a not happy, a not, a not pleasant performance again from Everton but Everton had a hand in that first goal and the own goal he did you know he earned it he he beat the defender he forced the cross uh he's the reason that the that Carlos Jr. headed it into his own goal but on comes Chiquinho Chico today he was Chico and um just the my feelings on Chiquinho I like the player personally I think his ceiling at Benfica is this. It is to be a, a substitute. If if that's what he's going to be, and I don't think he's happy with that, to be honest. I remember reading reports that he wants to leave where he can get more opportunities, play more minutes. But he's a good substitute in this team. And I think he's under you. He, he, he's actually, I think Elder said he's the most utilized substitute this season. I was about to say I feel like he's underutilized, but perhaps I'm wrong. This season has been so long that it is hard to remember back to the first half of the year and to even two months ago. It's just it feel last season, you know, post COVID into this season has felt like one long season. But he's a player that's serviceable. He's not a player that we want who's at the level to be an all day, every day, you know, ninety minute player for Benfica. Obviously, but I think he's a serv serviceable substitute, and this is a good switch by the manager today. George Zouge on his game here with this substitution. Uh, I won't say the same about some substitutions later, but then he explained it in the flash interview after the match, so it makes a little bit more sense. But we post, we fast forward and in the 61st minute. It happens. Uh, Otamendi's given a bad pass. Okay, um, I think it came from Elton Lake, if my memory serves me correct. Forcing him way wide, and then he tries to clear it as, uh, I believe it was Alano, sliding and he got himself uh stretched out and he blocked Otamendi's uh attempt at clearing 
the ball came back towards the center. It came back towards the, the area. And Crizan getting on, on the loose ball, running at the box. Okay. Vigel's trying to get back. Crizan delivers the cross on the ground. Vigel's sliding, trying to block it. He can't block it. Um, Verissimo is sprinting to get back in place. And the ball finds its way to the foot of Anderson Carvalho, who first times it. As you can see, he Vertonghen just barely misses blocking it by this much. Vertonghen gets himself in position, but he misses the block by this much. And it finds its way around Vertonghen, past Ilton late. And it is a goal for Santa Clara, 1-1. And how many of us are saying, here we go again? Sure felt that way for me. It looked like Benfica were going to do it again. And and listen, this Santa Clara team has become somewhat of an Achilles heel to Benfica this season and last season. We've had a hard time with them the last three times we've played them now. And today, 67th minute now, that goal came in the 61st. 67th, it's PZ coming off as Georges Luge opts to change the look. Substitutes a midfielder for, an attack, for a forward, and it is Darwin Nunez coming on as the Uruguayan replaces the Portugal international. Still, uh, Befico with trouble getting things going, but then it, it finally comes in the 72nd minute, and it comes from another brilliant service from none other than Dio Gonçalves, a name I've said a few times tonight, and a name that I just said is, is probably the best start-to-finish product at Benfica this season. And I think he's the undisputed owner of that position going forward as he plays a nice ball in. And Chiquinho gets on the end of it, and it's a left-footed shot from the center of the box, puts it in the left corner, assisted from, from Diogo Gonçalves. 2-1 to Benfica, and Benfica... Having us believe that maybe they're going to steal the three points today. Three points that I think we all agree were not deserved. At the very least, Santa Clara deserved a draw today. They deserved a win. But that would be the one to, to put Benfica ahead. That was the goal. 77th minute. Uh, Daniel Hamuj would go to his bench. Costinha comes on. And also a player by the name of Rui Costa. No relation to our Rui Costa, but he comes on. Uh, Vienna do Castel native, I believe they said. He, no, Castel Branco native. Uh, he replaced him. And guess what? In the 80th, Seferovic misses another opportunity. Just one of those days for the Swiss Army knife. Uh, he misses a right foot shot from close range to the left. And guess who put the cross into him again? Yes, Diogo Gonçalves. Man of the match. M-O-T-M tonight. Um, but that would be it for Diogo Gonçalves in the 80th minute as Gilberto would replace him. Now, I didn't like this substitution. I hate this this thing of switch. But, of course, the outside wingbacks in this system are the ones doing the most work and covering the most space. They are the ones most likely to tire and to need a substitute. And uh, and Jorge uh, Zuz revealed in the Flash interview that, that Diogo was already looking to come out at at uh, halftime, uh, there was an exhaustion there from him. Um, he's still adapting to the position. He's adapting well, but he's still adapting to the the amount of up and down sprinting he has to do versus in midfield where it's a lot of shorter sprints. Um, you cover more territory or more terrain. You cover more kilometers in the midfield a lot of times. But in 
as a wingback, you have a lot more long sprints, and um, he's, his lungs are still adapting to that position, and his muscles, and he asked for the substitute. Also in the 80th minute, two other substitutions made by George Zouz, just patented triple substitution that he loves to do every match. Luca Waldschmidt comes on, replaces Rafa, and Pedrinho replaces Seferovic. Two minutes later, and Kostinha nearly levels for Santa Clara. Uh, he has a right-footed shot from outside the box, but saved by Elton Late, who I also am gonna am gonna uh, say had a you know who I'm gonna praise today. And shout out to 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 my new friend there, uh, my new friend Nino Torres, uh, pronouncing it Elton Late. He's got the Brazilian pronunciation there. And I have to say, I feel like he, he's done his homework in the pronunciation of these Portuguese names. And um, he's, it's, he's come a long way, I have to say, this season. I, um, and not just because the guy was nice to me on Twitter, but it, it's always nice to hear Portuguese names pronounced correctly. And it doesn't always happen. Just ask Bruno Fernandes how, how his name gets pronounced all the time. And uh, move on in Santa Clara here as a double substitution of triple substitution, excuse me, of their own in the 85th minute. On comes Jean Patrick Nene and Ukra. Remember Ukra back in the day at Sporting Braga, the former Porto youth product, and and also sorry, Sporting Braga and Riwav, a long time, uh, a long time mainstay at Riwav. But it wouldn't, it would not suffice for Santa Clara. And then I think a moment of good fortune, in my opinion, here, George Jesus denies that this was done on purpose. He says he never instructs his players to do this. But Julian Weigel picks up a yellow card in the 88th minute. Julian Weigel will miss the match against Bondela on Friday, but that means he will be available for the Classico next Thursday against. Football Club do Porto at the Estadio da Luz. Must win. Now, this is a must win match, almost a final for Benfica. If they want to have any hope of second place and direct entry into the group stage of next year's Champions League, Weigel does well to pick up the card. I don't think he meant it. And actually, George Zeus says that Weigel was nervous and played a nervous match all day, um, knowing he couldn't pick up another yellow card. And um, I. Don't necessarily know why. I mean, you get to this point of the season, you have a big match like that. I think it's, it's almost a given. You go burn a yellow card and hope that your team can can make it happen against Fondela. Fondela's on good form, though. Fondela's in the highest I've ever seen them in the table. I believe they're ninth right now. Uh, but are you going to miss Fondela or are you going to miss Porto? Are you going to miss Porto? Because you don't want to give the referee the opportunity against Fondela to book you so that you miss the Porto match. Yes, it sounds like a conspiracy, but anyone who's followed this league for the last 30 years um, can understand that's a legitimate concern. And a few minutes later, Nicolas Otamendi finds the right opportunity to do the same thing. He finds the opportunity to burn a yellow card. He misses the next match against Fondela as well, but that means he is available to face his former club. And I love the Nicolas Otamendi that shows up against Porto, the two matches we had against them. Oh, man, that that vindicated that vindicated all the, all the good things I said about him when he arrived, all the hope I had of what he would bring to this team despite what his form had been. 
He brought exactly what I thought he could to this team in that particular match. And he has been a he has been solid ever since. Yes, he has the mistake today. Um, but he has been solid ever since. And um a smart, wise yellow card picked up by Nicholas Otamendi. Um, I'm sure Porto is going to be kicking themselves for that because same thing. You don't want to give the referee on Friday the opportunity to remove you from the classic. Um, I I think this was a good thing. The referee will blow his whistle for full time at 94 score. Benfica pick up the three points. Three major positives. I know the performance was poor again. I know the the, the football was lousy. But three major, major positives today. Three points for us. Our direct rival for second dropped two points. Our direct rival for third, who's trying to chase us, dropped all three points this weekend. And we now know Weigel and Otamendi will be available for the Classico. All right, let's bring up the goal point now. I'm going to go ahead and share the screen. Give me one moment here as I bring up the goal point. And... Here it is, as now I'll go ahead and put it on your screen so you can see it at home if you're watching. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, obviously you won't see it at home, but I'm going to go ahead and share the screen now with the goal point, and you should be seeing it any moment. And there it is. All right, so first thing we're going to look at today is you know the two teams. You see the average rating for Santa Clara slightly higher than for Benfica. Maybe we're overestimating how well they played. I don't know. Um, I'm not the only one saying this. This is, this is you know, the consensus opinion among Benficistas, among non-Benficistas, among neutral media, if you want to call them that. Uh, they were better. I thought they were much better. I thought they were better. This is horrible English, but I thought they were more better than this, than this shows here. Um, the expected goals, though, Benfica with 1.9 on the XG. Santa Clara, uh, 0.7 on their XG. But, again, Santa Clara, a lot of nice football, but couldn't really turn it into into good – couldn't really. They they hit they hit Elton Lake with a lot of shots that were easier for him to, to stop. But, all in all um, – that XG statistic or analytic is something that's debated, and I know some of you don't. Some of you are not big fans of it. I think it's one piece that tells the story. I think you can't just go by it, but I think it's a good tool and a good piece to tell you the story. Now let's start with Santa Clara. As you can see, their goalkeeper uh, Marco is a four point six. Rafael Ramos five point eight. João Afonso five point one. Villanueva four point eight. Mansour five point four. Carlos Jr., 4.7 with the goal. Anderson Carvalho is actually the man of the match. I've been praising Diogo Salves, but that's from the Benfica side. The man of the match in this one uh, from Santa Clara is from Santa Clara is Anderson Carvalho. And uh, I found him quite, quite impressive today. Morita, 5.6. Lincoln, 6.2. Alano, 5.8. And Crisan with a 6.8. Now, as you see, this is a different lineup here on goal point than what I read off from FOTMOB. But that is the issue with, you know, with the different apps that track lineups and the track statistics. But there you see the substitutes: Costinha and Rui Costa, five point three and five point four apiece. 
For Benfica, Elton Late with a 6.9. I, like I said, I thought he was really good today. Vimaldu, 4.2. That's about right. Vertonghen with a 5.8. Otamendi gets a 4.7 thanks to that error that led to the goal. And I think the yellow cards also bring the rating down in the in the um, algorithm that creates these ratings. Uh, Lucas Ferrissimo, another solid 6.0 performance. And there is Benfica's man of the match, Diogo Gonçalves, 7.1 with an assist. Rafa's a 5.6, Weigel 5.4, PZ 5.0, Everton 5.3, and Seferovic, man. Again, I'm not going to criticize him. He is what he is. We know what we have with him. There's days he's going to give you a hat trick. He's the leading goal scorer in the league now. But then there's days he gives you a 3.5. That's the one of the lowest ratings, if not the lowest rating I ever remember on goal point. And you can see here, if you're watching on the heat map, uh, just how much space was covered by Anderson Carvalho of Santa Clara today. Let's look at the let's look at the statistics real quick. Shots ten to sixteen in favor of the Azorians. Shots on goal seven to one, overwhelmingly in favor of the visiting side. Actions in the opponent's area. I like this statistic. Benfica still wins that one. They seem to to win that one. All the time, I think they may even lead the league in that specific, in that particular uh, analytic, in that particular um, statistic. Uh, the actions in the opponent's area: twenty-one to fourteen, five to four corners for Benfica. Benfica with an eighty-five percent pass efficiency to seventy-nine for Santa Clara, which is high for a Benfica opponent. Benfica usually does not allow a pass efficiency that high to their opponents. Uh, vertical pass efficiency, Benfica still with the edge there, 64% to 57%. Uh, defensive actions in the opponent's midfield, Benfica with only seven. They usually also win this statistic, no matter who they play. They're usually, you know, defending higher up the pitch. Not so today. Santa Clara defending defending Benfica high. I really like the approach from Santa Clara today, I have to say. Uh, again, I think they had Benfica well-scouted, well-studied. And they knew they had the, just the right uh, game plan to come in and and go at Benfica. So hats off, and and you have to give credit to Daniel Ramos and to Santa Clara. Now again, my least favorite stat, and to me the least important stat, Benfica dominating, sixty-one percent to thirty-nine in possession. A lot of that though is um, in non-dangerous situations. Okay, that's the goal point. Now let's switch it up here. And let's uh, go back to to the screen as let's stop sharing, if I remember how to do this. And we move back, and there I am again. <laughs> um, of course, those of you listening on the podcast form don't have to see any of my poor YouTube work and just how uncomfortable I get in the live setting on the YouTube. But anyway, um, final thoughts again. The result is better than the performance, and I'll take that seven days a week. I'll take that 34 matches a year from this side, the uh, the performance. It's good to have a good performance, but you got to have the result. Okay, the result is is um, is mandatory. The performance is optional if you want to look at it that way, especially at this stage in the season where it's all about points and it's a race to the finish line. And we want to be on the podium, obviously, and at the very least, well, not at the very least right now, we want to at least find ourselves in second place and go to the UEFA Champions League. So 
let's move ahead here and I have the table for you I'm gonna put that on your screen in just one second here so we can look at the table and there it is courtesy of sofa score and you will see this on www.mrbefica.com um, tomorrow at some point as we now have mostly everybody's got 29 matches played all right you see there in the table sporting leading with 73 points 22 victories seven draws still undefeated uh we we got to be the team to knock them off absolutely maybe they'll hopefully they're already champions hopefully uh they don't come here to win the title but if they but we absolutely have to win when they come here and we have to knock them off okay uh porto are now six points back it's going to be a tough way back for porto look at the form they were showing in the last five but it dropped off today um you can see Porto there with the highest uh, amount of goals scored this season. Only two ahead of us. We are now third. Mifika's got 63 points. Four back of Porto. If they can drop another point, then all we got to do is beat them and win the rest of our matches. Uh, Porto will have, I believe, um, they'll have Fumoli Cone next. I'll go through the fixtures list for the next round uh, right after this, this uh, scroll through the, the table. And in fourth place, it's Sporting Braga. Like we said, they dropped three points at home this weekend. And in the news, of course, is Sporting Braga wanting to move out of the city's stadium, out of the Pedreira, out of the Rock Quarry, and back into their Stadio Primeiro de Mayo, the May 1st stadium. And, of course, that is because they own the stadium. And if you've listened to this podcast for some time, you know when I cover the women's team, we – when we go play Braga in women's football, we play at the Primeiro de Mayo. Uh, the club has plans to, to renovate the Primeiro de Mayo and move back in. And it only makes sense. You don't want to be paying rent when you own a house. It's, it's, it's pure, uh, it's simple economics. Fifth place right now. Um, not going to move any higher, obviously. But I'd say fairly safe. Seven points clear. In sixth and fifth place is Pepa's side, Passos de Ferreira. They're looking at going to Europe and being in the debut edition of the UEFA Europa Conference League. Right now, Vitoria Guimarães holding on, but look at that form from Vitoria Guimarães. Uh, the club from the Dom Alphonse Henrique, from the original capital. Only one win in their last five, the rest all losses. Our opponents tonight, Santa Clara, right on their heels. On 36 points, uh, BTV kept asking Daniel Ramos if he thought the dream was over. I don't know why they would ask that. Finally, in the postgame presser, um, a reporter, I think from Zero Zero uh, or from Ice Football, I don't remember, pointed out that you know this year sixth place. Right now, there's nothing around it, but sixth place will be a Europa Conference League spot um, this season because. Well, because, because Braga and Benfica are meeting in the cup final, and that spot will go to the Europa League. So the winner of the cup will get an automatic berth into the Europa League. Now, if Benfica win the cup and they're already in the Champions League prelims, then Braga will go to the Europa League. So basically, whoever loses the cup final, okay, 
basically whoever wins, let me reiterate, whoever wins the cup final would be going to the Europa League, but they may already be going anyway through fourth place. So it's going to be an automatic spot in the group stage regardless. Um, and then fifth and sixth will go to the conference league. So there's Santa Clara, 36 points. Um, they're in, they're, they're sliding right now too, but they have five matches left and they, and they keep playing this football. I believe they're gonna they're gonna surpass Vitória Guimarães, but we gotta wait and see. There's a lot of football still to go. Five matches, is a lot of football. Moreirense pick up a big point tonight. They 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 draw level with Santa Clara, thirty six for them as well. Tondela ninth with thirty five. That's our next opponent. Bolinish Sad with a win today as well. They move up to tenth. They got thirty four. Portimonense has thirty two. Famalicão in 12th with 31, as is Gil Vicente with 31. Now, Riuav and Maritimo, for now, in safety, each with 30 points, 14th and 15th, respectively. They are two points ahead of Boavista, who are sitting in 16th, which this year is a relegation promotion playoff spot. Okay, right now, they are in position to meet, I believe, Academica. Don't quote me, though, because the Liga... Portugal Deutsche, whatever the, the sponsorship name is. The second league um, after the first two is very, very tight for that third spot. But right now it's Bovisha with 28 points. Three behind them is Farens with 25. They play, they have a match against Portimones tomorrow. It is the Algarve Darby. So after that match, that's when I will update the table on www.mrbenfica.com. Okay. And in last place is Nacional with 24. It's going to be tough for them to to make up the gap. Even even the four points could be very tough to make up. But if they go on a little run here, they could find themselves with a chance to save themselves. All right. Next uh, round matches are right here for you. And we have Boavista. This is this round match. Excuse me. There we go. Passage Fajeda meeting Bolinish Saad on the 30th of April. The 30th is uh, it's Friday, I believe. Yes, the 30th is on Friday. Vitoria Guimarães uh, hosts Moreirense in a Minu Derby uh, also on Friday. And still on Friday, it's Tondela hosting Benfica. And still on Friday, Porto hosting Famalicão, that's going to be a big match. Once again, Benfica playing uh, the earlier match that's, that is in, you see, 14 hours there. That is in Eastern time here in the United States. That is to my location. So that is a 2 p.m. Eastern time start, 11 a.m. Pacific, and that is a 7 p.m. or 19 hours in Lisbon or in Tunela, uh, to be exact. And two and a, two hours and fifteen minutes later, Porto kick off at the Dragão against Famalicão. On a Saturday, we have Gil Vicente hosting France in a match that the Algarve side will need to win, regardless of their result tomorrow against their Algarve rivals. And the other Algarve side will also play on Saturday, hosting Huav, who also are not safe. My friend Miguel Cardozo, their manager, needs points he needs to get away from that relegation spot away from that playoff spot and then the azorian side santa clara our opponents today continue to chase their european dream they're at home at the Stadio samiel versus bovisha in ponta delgada and sporting will host nacional so first versus last in that one as they're going to hope to move three points closer to the title 
And I think for Benfica's sake, hopefully they pick it up because I would love for them to already be champion when they get here because I want them to be checked out a little bit and I want to beat them. I want to be, I want to make sure that we are the one loss on their, on their win loss record this season. That would it give us some momentum also going into the cup final and hopefully catapult us past our other rival uh, against our no catapult us past our Northern rival and into uh, second place. Braga will host Pasos Fajeda in what is maybe the match of the week. This is an exciting one as um, they will fourth will host fifth in, well, basically a match for fourth and fifth. We, we said when we looked at the table, Pasos Fajeda are kind of safe where they are. They're not really going to go up or down, but still Pepa's side is going to come in and look to make a statement, I think, and look to, uh, pick up a win against the big clubs. They really raise it when they play against the big clubs. And it's not a big, it's not a big three anymore. In my opinion, it's a big four in Portugal. And the round closes out on, and actually these matches are next week. The round will close out with Maritimo hosting. Gil Vicente, actually Gil Vicente already played. Interestingly enough. Well, on May the 5th, there's Maritimo versus Gil Vicente. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of Mr. Benfica. This has been a long one. I do apologize. Um, thank you for everyone watching on Twitter. Make sure you hit the subscribe button down there. All right, I need some more subscribers. Hit the subscribe. Hit the little bell next to it to make sure you're alerted every time I put out a video. And if you're listening on the podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to it. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And please hit up www.mrbenfica.com and hit up my other website, okay? I just launched it, the PTV Media Network's own homepage. It's www.parkingthebusmedia.com. Go there. I got some episodes of Parking the Bus up. I've got a conversation regarding European Super League. I've got an article about or a blog post about European Super League and my reaction. And also follow uh, Parking the Bus on Twitter at PTB underscore media. I'm posting video. I'm posting links to videos that I'm doing now for BTV, the other BTV, not our network, but not our club's television station, but the website better than Vegas. I've started to do some soccer previews and I've, I've partaken in some soccer or football roundtables. So I'll post anything I'm in there as well and i'll share it to mr benfica as well so make sure you follow wherever uh wherever you prefer to follow mr benfica that's gonna do it for this one i will be back with the women's team update i promise that's coming this week that will come before the men kick off on friday i know i make these promises all the time and then it doesn't one thing leads to another and i can't get it out but it is coming and i'm also almost done on a written piece uh profiling benfica women's star teenage sensation Kika Nazare who is just taking the Liga BPI by storm she's debuted for the Portuguese national team and um she signed with George Mendes so you know that she's she's legit when she signs to the biggest football agency on planet earth all right that's gonna do it thank you this has been episode 109 I am the Mr. Mike Ugly Senior signing off once again Carrega Benfica Força Benfica vamos in cima deles let's go até o fim lutar até o fim we fight to the end we are Benfica. See you next time.
You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast here on the BTB Media Network, your English language home of Copa Libertadores. <laughs> 